0: heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio the new AM 740
1: Welcome friend to our weekly garden party we hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt on the AM 740 garden show with Charlie Dobbin and
2: uh, I'm your uh, I'm your co-host Co-host. I am the sous chef of the garden, Franklin Proctor, and uh, I'm in a wacky mood this morning. I don't know what it is. You are.
3: Yeah. I want whatever you're drinking.
2: Well, I checked my coffee, and I didn't add anything special in there. Maybe I should have.
3: I've... Sounds to me. Well, I think people will get the gist of why I'm saying that as we continue oh, with the show. Uh, see, because you uh, all are in a wacky mood.
2: Yeah. Well, it's just some days, you know, you, you just just uh, off the rails a little bit. That's but, right. Uh, well, you know,
3: the cool. weather's changing. You know, I'm practicing
2: up for Halloween. Oh, that's what it is.
3: Are you dressing up? I oh, guess you don't need to.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll get back at you. Okay, Andre is behind the board today, and uh, he'll be manning manning the phone lines for right, us right. and uh, doing all the producing stuff. What I have to do, though, is to give the phone numbers and the mantra right uh, off the absolutely. bat, Charlie that's Dobbin. that's your job. Mm-hmm. Charlie Dobbin, yes, Charlie Dobbin. Uh, I just Proctor. want to make sure that I get her name in there. She gets so PO'd at me uh, because <laughs> I push myself too much, she says. Okay, uh, phone numbers for <laughs> Toronto, 416 And then anywhere in the province, it's toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. Well, Mistress of the Garden, yes, what's sure. on your mind there? as far as your little sheets of ad-libbing you have. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, how smooth are you? Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, I have a couple of announcements I would love to share mm. with you and all our keen listeners, mm-hmm. things that are going on. Yeah. All right, number one, the Toronto Botanical Garden and the Urban, sorry, Ontario Urban Forest Council have partnered to offer a a special conference called Spreading Roots. It's all about growing trees in an urban environment. So this particular uh, sort of convention is open to all those who care about our urban forests professionals passionate community advocates everybody who wants to come it's a conference not to be missed you will hear from researchers community leaders designers and experts from Europe Cornell and across the province for more information and to register go to wwwspreadingroots.ca and
2: when when is that again
3: oh did I need to give you that information? Well, I, thought I know maybe it's in it early November. <laughs> I didn't actually put the date down. Good point. It's in early November. <laughs> okay. All right, I'll tell you the dates next week. How's okay. that? <clears throat> All right. Um, this week, you are wondering what I did this week. Well, one of the things I did is Obviously, I wasn't was <laughs> prepare for the show. Eh? <laughs> Thanks for that, Frank. <laughs> well, speaking of which, yeah. I tried to prepare for the show, but I couldn't get onto the server last night, onto the AM740. So you're, AM, want, couldn't
2: access your email?
3: That's correct. So if anybody sent me messages this past week, I'm really sorry I didn't get any messages, but I will. I'll be able to get in eventually. I just couldn't get in yesterday, and I, as you point out, I went to do my preparation just yesterday. Uh, uh, Thanks for that. Uh, um, This past week, Landscape Ontario held one of their trade shows, so this is open to the trade, obviously, called uh, Landscape Expo. It's a two-day event Mm -hmm. where different um, product suppliers of of products, obviously, but also services, you know, um, farms, you know, Mm -hmm. growers of things, vegetables, trees, shrubs, all these people come together, uh, and we were in the brand new... Congress Centre is a very old venue up near the airports so or Dixie Road Highway 27 right. but they've built a brand new building to the north it's called the North Con- Congress Center very swank and it was beautifully set up too it was all done in black and low lighting everything was really pretty really nicely yeah. nicely set up and um, it was just it's a neat very interesting venue bottom line is I was there all day Thursday and on Thursday, uh Communities in Bloom held their big banquet of uh, and uh gave out the final marks for the communities. And as you may recall, I was a judge for communities oh, that's in Bloom. Right. Yeah. Mm. And um uh, there was special mention awards were given out to all the communities who, who participated in the fully judged program. My communities, the city of Cornwall and the town of Mississippi Mills, both received four Bloom ratings and were given special mention for restored historical sites. Uh, in the case of Cornwall, it was the Boys and Girls Club, which is a 125 year old Church of the Good Shepherd that has been renovated into this very funky space for boys and girls of you know little ones all the way up to teenagers to hang out after school before Isn't school yeah. programs in the summer and uh, uh, you know uh, weekends mm-hmm. and stuff really nice it's a beautiful space and in mississippi mills the mill of kintail was highlighted uh this is very old you know originally a mill yeah uh, where,
2: where is that located i have i know mississippi
3: no mills is one of those amalgamated townships so it's much of little towns. okay allmont being the biggest town in the mississippi mills conglomerate um <laughs> it is about an hour west of ottawa Oh, okay. Okay, so up uh, that way, and uh, near not like sort of south of Perth. Very pretty though. On mm-hmm. the, it's on these rivers, right? Indian River and obviously the Mississippi River runs all through. I didn't know there was a Mississippi uh, River in Ontario. There is. Either did I. Well, the there things you go. I learned too. I mean, uh, I, yeah. I had never been to this area. It's so pretty. Mississippi Mills is really and
2: it must be gorgeous <gasps> right now.
3: Well, rolling hills yeah. and and rivers, and it, it was all mills because of all the rivers. Sure. It was all about mills and linen, actually, um, and cotton and wool mills. I guess mostly. And uh, of all that's gone... By the wayside because everything's offshore now. Yeah, but all these little towns, of course, they they've maintained these old stone structures. Beautiful. They're all being converted mm-hmm. into condos and artists' colonies, and 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 it's really it's so neat. It's really a lot of energy and very very artistic, very creative uh, groups. Many of whom are retired or approaching retirement. Also, obviously, young families. Yeah. Um, but that's where the the industry is now. Is sort of with the retirement and the arts in uh, in these areas. So the mill of Kintail is one of these renovated old mills, and it's a gallery, it's a museum, it's got beautiful gardens all around it. Um, and you may. Does the name James Naismith mean anything? to yeah, you? Yeah.
2: Well, why? Why is that? The inventor to me? of basketball. Okay. Yeah. Sure. That's where he
3: was born. Canadian. Yes. He, yep. He was born in that town. Oh, there you in go. In the town, just outside the town of Almont. They're very proud of that, and they've got in the museum there in the Mill of Kintail. They've got all neat um, old historical stuff of his, obviously, and uh, well, photos of the old basketball baskets, the peach baskets, right?
2: Well, in your initial little diatribe here, uh, you've already offended all the folks in the states who believe that. Basketball was invented there, you know. That's
3: okay. I like reminding but them that it wasn't. It,
2: it is a Canadian game, yes.
3: Well, it was invented in the States by a Canadian, I think is the bottom line. He uh, was actually working for the YMCA in Cleveland, I think, when he when he invented it or tried it out with a group of kids, boys. With, with baskets. Yeah, peach baskets, yeah, yeah with the bottom yeah. cut out
2: ah oh, it's the pits isn't it sometimes <laughs> well hey it's uh, 9:11 and we better scoot along here because we have folks waiting on the line already to talk to us and uh, just a quick reminder those of you calling in uh call early call often one question per call and Patrolman Proctor, I will enforce. <laughs> I will enforce and summon uh, tickets. You know, issue tickets. Summons. Yeah, or yeah. or a summons yes. uh, to appear here in the studio. Summary conditions. <laughs> okay, <yeah. laughs> Charlie Dobbin shall return, and me too, in just a moment.
1: You supply the what and where, and she'll come through with the how. You're listening to the AM 740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbins.
2: And uh, Frank Proctor, the sous chef of the garden, and Charlie has done her homework.
3: (laughs) Well, you're so funny. You were laughing at me, reminding me that I was so inept in my uh, particular uh, announcements there, talking about this wonderful spreading roots symposium at the Toronto Botanical Gardens, because I didn't know when it was happening. I went to the website spreadingroots.ca and have discovered the actual symposium is November 3rd, 4th, and 5th.
2: So there you go, Mr. Proctor. Don't make fun anymore. That's right. And thank you
3: for asking me a question, for which I didn't have an answer, but I'm always happy to oblige. But I
2: guarantee you she's got an answer for Andy, who's calling in from Ballantrae. And welcome to the line, Andy. Good morning.
4: Oh, uh, good morning, uh, Charlie and Frank. Morning. Thanks for taking my call. I need to know... I guess almost everything there is, to, is that one needs to know about planting peonies ah. my, uh, my wife would like me to put some peonies in
5: mm-hmm.
4: and uh, she wants to go uh, mm. along uh, the north side of our house front, uh, which is the front side of our house mm-hmm. and I don't know uh, whether uh, they, uh, they will fare well uh, uh, on a northern exposure
3: mm-hmm, uh, not so
4: and much. Uh, what what the timing of the planting would be and what sort of soil. Uh, composition. We're up at the top of the Oak Ridge Moraine.
3: Yeah, so I know exactly where you are. Uh, okay, here's my suggestion. Number one, if it's a case of going out to buy some peonies to then plant them in the garden, you Uh, Because you don't own the peonies at this point, right? That's right. Right. Typically, actually right now, and sometimes in the spring, you can find peonies that are dormant. It's just a tuber. You can plant now or in the spring, or you can buy a growing plant in the spring. They do grow from a big tuber that looks a bit like a potato. Uh, So peonies go, number one, into full sun. Which the north side of your house is unlikely to provide. Not full so about four in the <clears> afternoon. Yeah, that won't be enough sun to get flowers. So it f- will? It will not. No. No, we, you need at least six hours of sunshine daily on peonies to maximize flower formation. Oh. Okay. So you would be better on the south side of your house or right. at least um, away from the, the north side so that there's more sun than just that late afternoon. Right. Uh, any reasonably good quality, well-drained soil. We never, ever plant bulbs or tubers or any, you know, tuberous type plant into a soggy, low-lying area in the garden because they will rot. It'll just be too soggy, too much. Okay. Okay. So it's got to be a well-drained spot. Not to say it's got to be gravel or sand, but just that it, it's a place that water doesn't collect.
2: Is there another uh, type of flower that would resemble or be in the same family, say, as a peony that would work on that north side?
3: Well, I'm wondering what is your wife loving about peonies? Is it the fragrance or the color? Or? I
4: think it's the it's the color as well as the fragrance mm-hmm. and. Uh, and even uh, memories from uh, uh, flowers that uh, her mother used to plant mm-hmm. uh, things like that just the the simple uh, beauty of them yeah. we have hydrangeas in that location mm-hmm. uh, right now mm-hmm. huge big uh, uh, hydrangeas, mm-hmm. and uh, we want to uh, reduce that uh, that amount of planting of those and uh, and and switch over. Mm-hmm. And, Petunias or peonies <clears throat> was certainly uh, came up as a, as a choice. In her sure.
3: Well, and I'm not surprised, except the w- couple of things that come to mind is keep in mind that peonies only bloom in the spring. Yes. After that, of course, it's just a little green plant that then gives you a little bit of fall color. The leaves often turn a bit of a purple color and then they disappear all winter. Mm-hmm. So when we use peonies in quantity along a foundation planting, so along a, a home, the base of a home, Remember that in the winter, it, there will be nothing there. It will just be a windswept prairie because there will be no structure at all when, because the perennial root will be alive, but there will be nothing above yeah. ground.
4: Oh, you, you cut right back to the... Ground surface.
3: That's right. You We cut them right down uh, in the fall and they emerge from the root in the spring, like right from Probably below ground. Yeah. So they aren't usually right. considered a, uh, I mean, it's nice to have one or two perhaps mixed in with some other plants, but to have a, a big mass of peonies along a foundation wouldn't be the best uh, way to uh, sort of design it for a good look year round. No. But um, no. um, but um, not a problem. The main thing is just look for a sunny spot, well-drained soil. Put in as many peonies as you want into that kind of a situation. And if you need some advice from somebody like me or, or a landscape designer to come and help you get rid of those hydrangeas and change up the look of the garden, contact me through our website, and I'm happy to come. I do I do residential consulting if that's something that you'd be interested in, uh, in okay. having me come. Uh, you know, I know exactly where you are. You're not that far from where I am. I'm in <laughs> northern Toronto. Uh, and th- that would be my suggestion.
4: Yes. Yeah. All all right. Well, I appreciate all that information.
3: No problem. Thanks, Andy.
2: Thank you. Have a great day, Andy. And uh, actually, that call takes us to our first break here. And I know we have a couple of other folks waiting on the line, and we will be to you very, very shortly. But I'm, I'm... I'm stretching here somewhat because I'm stretching uh, because, here somewhat. Well, I'm, time. Yes, I, I, I see was my friends stretching. First, give yes.
3: my email address, which oh, of course yes, of which is course. important if somebody does want to get a hold of me and I can get on the server. <laughs> it's c Dob and d o b b i n at a m seven forty. .ca,
2: you are now free to stretch,
3: which then now leads us into Sierra Sill, which is something that both Frank and I take as as a supplement. It's a mineral, little it's a, like a little capsule with gray dust in it, and that gray dust is from the Sierra Mountains, and that keeps us limber, keeps us pain free, and it keeps us active, which is very important. Well, I got lots to do in my garden still, and I know Frank's got his kickboxing he does uh, every right. week, so you know, staying active and staying pain free is important to us. For more information about Sierra Sil, you can call them at 1-877-JOINT-14.
1: There are hundreds of sources for tips on gardening, but you need only one. The AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin continues.
2: 924 here at AM740, the Charlie Dobbin Garden Show on the air, and we go to Evelyn on the line from Toronto. Hi, Evelyn. Good morning. Hey, hello, Evelyn. Here you go.
6: Oh, I'm here. <laughs> okay, okay. turning my radio. Down. <laughs> oh, no okay. problem. Okay. Um my neighbor had w- we are wondering if you know um what a monkey plant is. Have you ever heard of a monkey plant? Well,
1: I've so, heard of
3: a monkey puzzle like the yeah, tree. Yeah, me tree,
6: but no, this no. is called a mon- she calls it a monkey plant. Uh, I can't find it in any books. Anyway, I, I'll tell you about it. It's okay. a very small little uh sort of a bushy flowery plant mm-hmm. and mine has um pink o- pink flowers like um an easter lily Mm
5: -hmm. only way
6: way smaller like about an inch long and the the leaves are oval shaped really really small about a quarter of an inch uh they have light green in the middle and dark green around the edges Mm
5: -hmm.
6: and actually the problem uh, maybe you could know of a similar plant um, she gave me a cutting of her plant which mine is is doing fine uh, but hers decided not to bloom anymore So uh, she thinks it's sick and she was wondering, you know, what she could do to help it. She's had, it's quite a, hers is quite an old plant.
3: So, yeah, I'm just trying to think what it is you're uh, describing. So, uh, fragrant flowers or no? no? No, no fragrance. But hers has stopped blooming, but it's still alive.
6: The last report it was. She's, she's doctoring it. I think she may have killed it at <laughs> <In> the meantime. <laughs> but, and, well, that was the other, her other question. If she kills it or if it dies, um, where could she get another one? Because hmm. she said she's asked at a couple of uh, nurseries, and uh, one of them her, knew what she was talking about, but they didn't have it. So.
3: Well, there is a plant, plant that's referred to as monkey plant. That's c- proper name is Ruella, R-U-E. Let me write that down just a second here that would
6: help if we had a proper yeah. name. R U
3: E L L I A. L L I A. L L R A. Okay. Commonly grown as an indoor plant uh-huh. um because it is it would die in the frost. Does flower given the right conditions and has a variegated leaf though it, the leaf sounds a little bit bigger than what you're talking about. Um it, but, and yours is doing reasonably well. Hers has been declining. Well, what
6: happened with mine? Mine stopped blooming too and I have a feeling it was the pot was too crowded. Mm-hmm. So I took it out of the pot, and I took a bit off it, but that didn't help it. And then I think I didn't—it takes a lot of water. It takes a really lot of water. Hmm. And I think I didn't water it maybe in the summer too much. So um, the stems got uh, gray, and then little flowers at the end of this long gray stem. So I gave it a haircut.
3: Okay, good, yep.
6: And now it's very happy. Right. <laughs> so I told her to do that, but unfortunately I think it was a bit late. So she separated hers. Okay. And that might help it. I don't know.
3: Well, it, it is a plant that's very closely related to petunias. Petunias oh, yeah, really? like we uh-huh. grow outside, so uh-huh. um, that idea of giving it a haircut is a good one. Yeah, because, it worked for me. Yeah, just like the old petunias we used to grow 20 years ago in right. the hanging baskets, um, we used to have to cut those back in order to keep to cause them to get bushy and to yeah. be a good-looking plant with uh-huh. flowers. Uh-huh. Otherwise, they get really long and thin yeah, and scraggly, I I with canines, yeah. yeah, little flowers on the ends. Now, of course, petunias have been improved dramatically with all the um, the wave petunias and all the super tunas out there are very different from the old ones we used to grow that's true but um but bottom line is any you know lots of sun water as necessary fertilize during the growing season and do as you've done uh recognize that when it gets scraggly cut it all back uh-huh. preferably when it's actively growing yeah, yeah. And so it, it, it was
6: nice and green I and mean, mine yeah. looked uh, you know healthy enough but yeah. it just wasn't produced and she wanted because it seems it to produce flowers almost all year it's amazing yeah so if it
3: gets enough sun it should Right, if it's happy and healthy, gets enough sun Mm -hmm. and adequate fertilizer, obviously. Mm
6: -hmm. Well, I think the haircut was the best. (laughs) I I could have put it in a bigger pot, but it's in a quite large pot. Now I just didn't want to make it any bigger. No,
3: no, good idea, because the bigger the pot, the more roots you're going to have, the less, you know, flowers Mm -hmm. and leaves. So, no, haircuts, I'm glad, you know, it's a good thing to think of, uh, definitely. Never hesitate uh, to, you know with That's plants like I that. Listen
6: to your program. Clean them up. Oh good. <laughs> well there you go. I get these ideas from your program. Excellent. Good to hear. <laughs> you somebody else to do that on something <laughs> anyway. I love your show Thank and I don't you. know what we do without you cuz you're the only plant show. I know. And Frank is, a, is funny too.
3: <laughs> yeah, we do love Frank. I'm not Frank. so
2: knowledgeable though. No.
3: <laughs> we love Frank when he's not driving me crazy. <laughs>
6: exactly. So anyway,
2: thank you very much. Thanks, for Evelyn. I'll,
6: I'll give her your advice. All right. Thanks,
3: You're welcome. Okay. Bye. Appreciate
2: Bye. the phone call and, uh, hey, an interesting call too.
3: Of course. I love that kind of call where somebody's, you know, learning good stuff.
2: Yeah. Emma, whoa, whoa, I'm sorry, you wanted to squeeze something in here?
3: I would. I wouldn't mind.
2: Well, okay, yeah. Another
3: opportunity to to teach some good stuff. Okay. I mentioned that I was at the Expo, Landscape Ontario Expo event this past week. I ran into, of course, a million people that I knew, or many. Uh, One of them I ran into, one of the people, was Larry Shirk. You may remember Larry's name. He's a long-time Toronto resident, worked for Sheridan Nurseries forever and ever and Mm -hmm. ever, retired a number of years ago, but continues to be a a hobby gardener in the East York area. Area. I think he's in the East York area. Well, I know he he spoke at the uh, Riverdale. I think he's in the mm-hmm. Riverdale area. Bottom line is, Larry commented to me that he wants to remind everyone how to properly wrap your evergreens, if indeed you need to wrap your evergreens prior to this winter. Not too I, tightly, I'll bet. Exactly. Do not wrap the burlap tightly around your plants like a bandage. Even though you do see this done along the highways, we never do that in our home gardens. You, it's, that's the easiest way to kill a plant, is to wrap it all up real tight like a little mummy, the poor Because things.
2: the cold gets in there and it doesn't... Uh, you know, thaw during the day and it just freezes the uh, plant.
3: Aren't you good?
2: I remember this. I, you were I, listening. I've been studying and I've
3: been listening. You've yes. been listening. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. You don't, because our temperatures fluctuate through mm-hmm. the day and the night, and between December and February, it's dramatic, we have to allow that air to circulate. We or, of have course, there's allow. the
2: option of putting the four. Posts in the ground around the tree and wrapping that with burlap, which Ooh. you see,
3: aren't you smooth. <laughs> Very good.
2: I, you will not believe how proud I am of myself Ste- right now. <laughs> Stakes with burlap,
3: absolutely, and yeah. then keep the top open. Yeah, right. Now you've made this little kind of a hotel for sided structure with no roof on it. So allow the leaves and the snow and everything to drop in on top of your evergreens. Not a problem.
2: Excellent, excellent.
3: And why would we do that to, to our evergreens? Why would we ever wrap well, if them wind, anyway? Well,
2: wind damage—you don't want the wind getting in there—and uh, it just protects the, the plant.
3: Yeah, though uh, plants yeah. that we plant should be hardy enough to withstand yeah. our regular wind. Um, it's, it's sometimes that we plant plants that are borderline hardy or newly planted. Mm-hmm. It's a way to give that extra protection for the first year. But the, one of the biggest uh, one, um, situations where we need to do that wrap is if. Uh, The prevailing west wind is blowing salt from the road. That's when you definitely want to make sure you're protecting your evergreens because they will very much show salt damage. And uh, a, a proper wrapping, as Frank explained, is the way to protect. Very good. Nicely done. Well, thank you. You're my my frick to my frack. (laughs) I'm not sure
2: what that meant, but uh, Sharon uh, is on the line with us from Toronto, and uh, we'll get to that call right now. Hi, Sharon. Good morning.
7: Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Charlie, I have been quite successful in the past. The last time I did this 15 years ago was to start a lemon tree from Lemon Pits. Mm -hmm. Can't do
3: it. What they won't—they
7: won't, uh. they won't have done. I've got bought different types of well, lemons. No, um, uh, I did go to a nursery recently, and the fella just quickly said, "Oh, it's the type of lemons that we're now getting in the way they're uh, growing them hmm.
3: for for transportation." Well, you bring up an interesting point. It could be so. Okay, think about it. Your lemon has the seeds inside. Mm-hmm. And tomatoes are another good example of this there's lots of liquid there 's the seeds in right in um, touch with all that liquid, and yet those seeds don 't germinate inside the fruit so why is that? Well, the plant naturally has uh, some enzymes and things that it coats the seed in to not allow the seed to grow inside the fruit because otherwise you know that would be really weird you 'd have tomato plants <laughs> jumping out of the tomato fruit and mm-hmm. lemon trees jumping out of a you know a lemon so that's one reason why you may have trouble with the germination. Make sure you really, really clean the seeds. Now, I don't mean like yep. scrub them with a scrubbing no, brush. it
7: really, with cool water, really, uh, I massage them in my fingertips. Yep. And I don't. This is frustrating. Yeah, we used to do it in school, and I, my last tree I have in my home now was 15 years old, to uh, getting much older, so I thought I'd try again.
3: So you've been scrubbing the seeds, then you've been putting them into something simple like moist paper towels, or what have yeah, you been doing? Yeah,
7: like a shallow lid, a mm-hmm. lid from a jar, mm-hmm. a wee bit of water in mm-hmm. it and I'm going from when I memory from when I did it. Yeah, and
3: you've had no cracking of the seed coat, no germination, just the whole thing rots eventually, or what happens?
7: Yeah, it's rotting. And, you know, I'm looking at my little lid of water, and just about every day or every other day, I'll change gently change that water. Yep,
3: good idea. Okay, but, tell you what, I, I don't have the, um, this is one of those things I'll have to do some homework just to see if there's any extra thing you could do. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some techniques to help seeds germinate, particularly ones with really hard seed coats, like a lemon seed. Yeah. Uh, one is scratching the seed coat um, with a knife and um, that might be, it's called scarification, it's like scarring yeah. the, uh, the seed coat and that sometimes helps water or liquid to be absorbed into the I seed. I know what you
7: mean, yeah. Uh,
3: so that might be something you might want to try okay. in the meantime. Yeah. I will look it up and report next week because I have some great books on how to grow any seed. Use a
2: uh, lemon uh, what do they call it? Um,
3: Grater thing? Yeah, yeah
2: zester. zester.
7: That's a little rough, isn't
3: it? No, well, you great. will actually do, I'd almost be inclined more to use like almost a razor blade and just put a couple of slits yeah. small slits in the okay. seed I will try. Um, but the other thing is that the like you mentioned a garden center somebody said oh it's the lemons we're importing they don't grow from seed For
7: the
5: other, yeah
3: there has keep in mind like garlic is a good example right all, all the garlic that we buy the fresh garlic is from China yep. of all places it's grown in China and sent overseas to us
7: mm-hmm.
3: it would grow in that long process of transportation and sitting on the shelf but it is irradiated to keep it from growing. Oh, yeah. And it could be that that's mm-hmm. something that they're doing with some of the lemons and some of the tropical fruits as well. There's a certain amount of irradiation to uh, keep people like you from growing mm-hmm. lemon trees, and <laughs> that way you have to keep buying their lemons.
7: Well, that a lot of my lemons have been coming from Florida, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. um, I was able to, and I like the taste of the fruit better, lemons from Argentina. They uh, are tasty. Yeah, okay. They're thinner skin. Yeah. Um,
3: hmm. yeah. All right. Well let me look question. see if I can They're come up working with working either. Yeah, let me see if I can come up with some some uh, techniques okay. that you might not have thought of, but I'll report on that next week. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks, Sharon, for the
2: call. Care. Charlie Dobbins Garden Show on the air here at AM seven forty as we say good morning to Emma. Hi Emma, how are you doing?
3: Morning.
5: Morning. Um, I have two hydrangea that have never bloomed. <laughs> yeah. uh, I would like to transplant them. Is this a good time or is spring better?
3: Either would work. How long have you had those hydrangeas?
5: Uh, about five years. About five years. They're and, not too big, like because they come back very slowly.
3: <laughs> and they're the kind they're supposed to have like round flowers on them when they grow when they do There's, flower? I think
5: they're endless summer, but oh, okay. for some reason they haven't bloomed on me.
3: <laughs> well, no, that if it, they're endless summer, that's good because they're, they are worth keeping mm-hmm. uh, and not eliminating. Prior to the in, invention and introduction of the endless summer hydrangea, we did have some hydrangeas that really didn't flower. Mm-hmm. But endless summer should flower for you. The trick is, make sure it's in a really they're in a good quality soil, a soil that has a fair amount of organic material in it.
5: So, it does, and I, I add uh, pine needles there have to come in country so we got lots of pines.
3: <laughs> okay um the, they do like a slightly acidic soil so that's mm-hmm. fine um the other thing is they need a half day sun morning preferable to late afternoon yeah, they do they do get that okay yeah. and mm-hmm. um and if and they have a certain amount of and all i do is i cut them down in the spring after i see what's alive mm-hmm. right
5: yeah i've been doing that and
3: yeah. I'm, if you you've had sort of no success in the last five years at all, or did you have a? You no, know I think they they
5: did bloom the first year. Okay. Yeah.
3: Because I know mine did not bloom last year at all, but then this past year bloomed like crazy. So yeah. it's sort of one of those things that they do. I think tend to be a little sporadic. Also, I think they do need to be happy in their location. So
5: right I okay, had, now it is a little bit dry because they are close to. Um, like arrow, uh, pine, and
3: spruce. Yeah, trees yeah. And so.
5: Their roots, uh, m- maybe. So you have to water them quite a bit.
3: Right, so I'd get them a little further away from yeah, those trees and, try and incorporate do, yeah. some so manure. And plant yeah. them now? You could, yes, now yeah. or in the spring, whichever works for you. Okay. Okay. All right. Thanks I for your call. Thank you.
2: Bye. Thank you. I'm going to have a great weekend and thank you for listening to the garden show. Hey, it's Phyllis from Alliston on the line. Hydrangea, I think the subject matter here.
3: Another hydrangea question.
2: Uh, yes. Hello, Phyllis.
3: Yes. Hi. Good morning. Morning. What
8: a coincidence that she happened to call when I'm doing the same thing. Yeah, is that right? Having the same problem. Same hydrangea. But good morning, Frank, and good morning, uh,
3: Charlie. Good <laughs> morning, fellas. <Phyllis.
8: laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's quite a big uh, hydrangea, but this year it didn't bloom. Hmm. And I don't know why.
3: How it's, long has yours been uh, in the ground?
8: Okay, it's been about. Oh, I'd say four
3: years. Four years. And do you think it's an endless summer hydrangea, or do you know? I don't know the name of it. And when you bought it, is it supposed to have round flowers or, yes. or conical yes. flowers? So big,
8: it's big uh, round. quite big blooms it had when I first planted
3: it. Wait, was it pink? Yes. Pinky? Okay, so that would, if it, if it is only, you know, four or so years old, it's probably the same endless summer. What's mm-hmm. special about that hydrangea is that it's supposed to bloom on the new wood or the the growth that comes during the growing season, but Uh also it's supposed to bloom on growth from the year before. Okay, but it does seem to do best. It certainly, in my experience, in in quite a good organic soil. None of this sandy soil or pure clay soil. It needs a soil with lots of you know whether it's manure or compost, lots and of lots of rich organic material. That way, it 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 holds the moisture better and seems to be in a better position to actually produce all those blooms and hold them up. Uh, in a thin soil, you'll find the plant just kind of looks sad and and. Hangs the leaves kind of hang on the plant.
8: Um, it's so bushy mm-hmm. and big, mm-hmm. but no flowers in no here. And last year, I believe there was a few, okay. But in the year before that, it was you know a few of them. Did but you? I don't know, is it in the spot maybe that I've got it? Well, it's on the north side of the house.
3: No, that should be fine because it probably gets a couple hours of sun even on the north side, which is fine. For sure. How yeah. big is the plant when you say it's so big?
8: Well, it's like oh. Well, uh, I can't imagine no, what size right. it would be. Like three um, feet
3: across kind of thing? Excuse me? Is it like three feet wide and tall? Yes,
8: yes. It's about three feet wide along, around, okay. but it didn't bloom this year. And I thought, oh, my goodness, what the heck What did I do? But D- Did
3: you prune it at all this past spring? Yes, yeah, uh,
8: did. I did. Hmm. I believe I did it last year. I okay, didn't do it this
3: year. Well, see what I do in the spring is I see all those stems are sticking up in the spring because the leaves have all fallen off last fall. And then what happens is that little green buds form along the stems, but typically mm. it, the stems are not alive right to the top. They're only alive at my house. Usually the bottom sort of four inches or five inches of any stem is alive. The top, you know, foot or two feet might be completely dead. And so in the spring, once the green starts to come out, the buds start to fatten up and swell, it's pretty obvious where the plant is alive and where it's dead. And I take all the dead off in the spring.
8: So should I cut this down now? No,pe
3: I would leave it till Just the spring until and next year re- remove all the dead at that time. Okay, but if the plant is an old hydrangea, older than five years ago, meaning okay. it's not an endless summer, then it may be a plant that will not give you a lot of flowers ever because okay. it only blooms on old wood, and all that trimming we have to do every spring. Is the old wood. And we end up with a lot of leaves. So give it another year. Do trim off all the dead in the spring. Give it another year. Do not fertilize with any, you know, sort of big amount of fertilizer. You can do one fertilizing in the spring only and leave it alone for the summer and see how it goes. See if you get some flowers. Uh, Oh, if you're gonna do a top dressing with manure, you could do that in the spring, absolutely yes. And then you would not need to fertilize any more at all for the rest of the summer. Okay. And see how it goes. Give us a call if you don't get flowers again. Sounds good. Thanks, All Phyllis. right, have a
2: Phyllis. Great day. Thank Bye. you. 941 here at AM 740. Frank Proctor along with Charlie Dobbin, who is the master gardener, answering your questions. And by the way, we have a, a phone line open or two here, so I'll repeat the numbers. 416-360-0740 for those in the Toronto area. And then anywhere else in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740.
3: Uh, something we've got, uh, uh, not we, I'll take responsibility, I forgot to mention when I was talking about sierracil earlier, mm. uh, 20 minutes or so ago, mentioning that sierracil is a mineral nutrient that you and I both take, keeps us limber and pain-free, and we find it very effective. Uh, it's great for those sort of aging, aging joints. It is not only available over the web or via your phone, but it is available in good quality health food stores. So in Toronto, on the Danforth, the Big Carrot has Sierrasil. Uh, up in Thornhill, Ambrosia carries Sierrasil. Nature's Emporium in Newmarket. Nature's Source in Mississauga. Whole Foods and the Peanut Mill in St. Catharines all carry Sierrasil.
2: There you go. And we'll be back in just
1: a moment. Friends say she's down to earth, and that's usually where you'll find her. Welcome back to the AM 740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin.
2: And uh, the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor. Delighted you could share part of the day with us. Jackie uh, from Schaumburg on the line. Good morning, Jackie. Yes,
3: Come, I'm here. Good morning. Okay. Good
8: morning. I have a question about a butterfly bush. Mm -hmm. I bought it this spring, and I'm not sure what I should do with it for the winter.
3: Did it attract lots of butterflies this past month or so? Yes, and hummingbirds too. Excellent. What a great bush. So what you do is leave it alone. Don't touch it. (laughs) Excuse me. In the spring, similar to what we were talking about with the hydrangea, Uh, Okay. What you'll do is you'll wait, and in the spring, eventually, it's going to take a little while, the ground's going to have to thaw, things are going to start to warm up, birds are going to be singing, you know, water is going to be moving, and when you look at your butterfly bush, you will see some green growth on it. It might only be at the bottom, or it might be sort of halfway up the bush. Okay. But you will trim at that point to the green okay in many winters at my house i end up taking my butterfly bush almost right down to the ground because it's only alive right at the very bottom okay on a mild winter though sometimes it's a foot tall that's alive and then you know the four feet above that is all dead okay you will trim and you'll wait until you can see green growth before you do it
8: all right now the dead blooms that are on it now should i
3: clip them off only if they're bothering you they're unsightly they're in the way They're likely to get, sometimes butterfly bushes get so big that they start, you know, flinging themselves around in the wind uh, that they could actually damage right to the base, and you don't want that.
8: Well, that's what I was kind of wondering, because it grew much taller and bushier than I was expecting it to for the first year, Mm -hmm. and where it is, um, it's not that far from the house, but we do get a fair amount of snow up here sometimes.
3: Which is good. That's and what,
8: which is good, and would it hurt to put um some uh, chewed up leaves around the base
3: of it? not at all okay, the chewed up leaf idea is acts like a mulch in case we don 't get snow, acts like an insulating blanket, but wait to do any mulching on any of your tender plants because butterfly bush is a zone five plant, so it you are in zone five where right. you live in woodbridge, so the thing or sorry in Schaumburg. so the um, idea is to recognize it is borderline tender nice idea to give it a little extra protection but wait until it's colder outside wait until it's gotten the ground is colder because if you mulch too early you actually trap heat which you don't want to do you want everything to get cold and then trap and stop the plants at that point
8: okay great okay
5: Alrighty, thank you very, very much Thank you, Jackie call.
3: Bye-bye
2: Nice to hear from the folks in the Schomburg area now, And
3: what a great plant, too, butterfly well, bush Well, yeah,
2: attracting uh, hummingbirds, I too I know,
3: it must be like a bright pinky purple one that she's got for sounds, the hummingbirds to come
2: Sounds absolutely gorgeous It
3: is, it's a great plant Butterflies, it's, it's on the network, right? Once you've got a butterfly bush, they come in droves Wow They're I, a great plant for attracting butterflies
2: Alrighty, I'm going to try that in the balcony uh, You should Rochelle in Toronto, good morning, welcome to the show
3: Good
9: morning. Morning. Yes, thank you. Um, I've called you before about my dianthus mm-hmm. because you told me how to winter it over with lots of snow, mm-hmm. and we were lucky we had a lot. Yeah. And you said, and your voice is ringing in my ears now give it a little haircut. Mm-hmm. And I didn't. Mm-hmm. And it bloomed just so profusely all summer, and then a couple oh, nice. months ago. Suddenly it stopped, and it looked like it was poking seed heads up. Mm-hmm, yep. So I cut those back as best as I could mm-hmm. without her getting too much of the green, mm-hmm. and it's not blooming at all. Each plant has maybe one bloom on it, and I'm wondering if I, let it, if I have let it go to seed and if it's finished its life expectancy.
3: No, no, because remember, dianthus is an early-blooming plant. So it will typically only bloom in the spring or early summer. Mm. So what you saw makes total sense, that you saw it blooming, then you saw the little spindly seed heads, which you trimmed off, which is perfect, and then it's a little mound of foliage for the rest of the season. And then it—all many of the dianthus are actually evergreen or semi-evergreen, so yeah. it just sits like that little gray, pincushiony sort of looking plant all winter, and then come spring, it pops out with a bunch of flowers again
9: okay so i did put some chicken fertilizer around my garden this past week because of the rain Mm -hmm. that's uh four four two okay uh numbers
3: yep and And this was well composted so this was bagged chicken manure
9: it's yeah it's in it's uh commercially sold right
3: that's fine that's perfect Okay. Let everything sit there for the winter and you will be amazed at how much bigger and lusher everything will be next spring. Oh, they're
9: so wonderful. Yeah. What
3: a wonderful plant. Good. Oh good for you. I'm glad that you've you've gotten on top of the getting some manure down because certainly in the Toronto area and for any of us with older gardens, the soil does get tired and amending that soil with good quality organic material, whether it's chicken poop or cattle poop or, you know what I'm saying, you know, any of those good poops, compost, all of that is great. Peat moss, these are all leaves, chopped up leaves, all of this is good material to, to rejuvenate the soil.
2: I, I got to tell you, Rochelle, <laughs> it's, it's such a treat to go over to Charlie's and watch her. She's a chicken wrangler, and she brings a whole bunch of chickens in and have them poop all over, all yeah, over the uh, plants. It's, it's marvelous it's to, a, to yeah. see.
3: Yeah. He's joking.
2: I'm kidding. I'm
3: no, kidding. because you would never want fresh no. chicken poop. It's got to be well-aged. Just
2: the thought in mind was too much for me to resist. 952, we got to move along here because thank you, uh, thank Thanks, you Rochelle. Rochelle. Audrey's waiting on the line, and uh, just a little bit longer, uh, Audrey, to hang on that line from Guelph, but we'll be back after these words.
1: You supply the what and where, and she'll come through with the how. You're listening to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin.
2: And uh, the sous chef, Frank Proctor, along saying hi and good morning, and welcome to Audrey from Guelph. Hi, Audrey.
3: Good morning. Charlie and Frank. Uh,
7: Question. Uh, Fall fertilizer, is it too late to apply fall fertilizer? And if I do that at the moment, uh, should I also integrate some seed into it?
3: Okay, so you're talking about the lawn, obviously. Yes, please. Uh, It is not too late to apply fall fertilizer, so go ahead and do that. The seed you could integrate, but it's unlikely to come up this fall. If you're gardening on a level playing field, a level lawn, then the seed will sit and wait until the conditions are optimal before it will germinate. So you're likely to see the seed come up next spring. If it doesn't wash away or get eaten by the birds or whatever, and, and it stays there, it will come up next fall, next spring. But uh, we just I don't think we have enough weeks of warmth for the seed to come up now. Okay, thank you very much. There you go. You're very welcome. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye now. <laughs>
2: Succinct little call there. There you go. That allows us to... I should be
3: that quick all the time, (laughs) Yes, you
2: should. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Guinevere on the line from Brampton. Good morning, Guinevere. I love that name.
3: Good morning. Hi. I
8: I want to ask a question about my Christmas cactus. How can I get it to bloom? It used to bloom, but it hasn't bloomed for a year.
3: Have you got it on a nice sunny windowsill? Yes. Okay, and is the window face south or west? Um south, I think. Okay, and have you got the curtains open on that window? No. Okay, Have the, what is there shears or what's on the window? Shears. Shears. Okay, so can you put the, the plant onto the ledge behind the shears so that it's in the light more than, not, than it currently is? Right. Because the plant needs lots and lots of light. It loves the cool temperature coming off of the cool window. So if you you have a deep enough window ledge and the shears sit forward, it'd be great if you could tuck the plant up to that pane of glass and get it right into the light and only water when the soil is bone dry. Let the soil become like the Sahara Desert before you do any watering. And you will find that it will bloom.
8: Okay. Now my house doesn't have uh, window sills.
3: Oh, that's a problem. <laughs> that's
8: bad. Isn't yeah.
3: It? Could is there a window somewhere where you don't have uh, curtains closed? Like, is there a bedroom or a bathroom? Or? Mm. No. Um, no, there isn't. No, uh, I'll pull the curtain open and. Okay. Okay. Do that. Leave the curtain open during the day. You can close it at night, of course. Right. But just make sure that the plant is getting lots of light and, and make sure it's in a cool spot. Cool. I, okay. Yeah, I find you know what, I my bedroom faces south and we leave our bedroom window open at night. And my Christmas cactus love all that cold air blowing in on them at night. And okay. of course they get the hot sun all summer or sorry, all day, and then they get the cool night uh temperatures blowing around them and they bloom like crazy. Of course I don't water very often.
8: No, <laughs> and don't water it. No. Exactly. Okay. Thank you very much, Charlie and and, uh, Frank. Is it Frank?
2: That's right. Yeah. Well, thank I you. Thank
8: you, program. Thank
3: you very much. Thanks,
2: Guinevere. Thank I feel you. like singing something from uh, Camelot. Camelot. Yes, I do. <laughs> uh, I, you know. <laughs> Thanks,
3: Guinevere.
2: Uh, good thank luck you. with that plant too. Uh, we don't have time for another call, but I want to just refer to something that Charlie and I were discussing uh, while uh, off air, and we were hearing messages from our sponsors um, about the chicken. I was kidding about the the ch- leading the chickens into the, <laughs> the garden. Yeah, me yes, being too. a wrangler. Yeah, um, but. Surprisingly enough, I said to Charlie, um, "Can you can you have chickens uh, like in the city?" And the answer, Charlie,
3: yes, of course, yeah, you can. I mean, every community or municipality has yeah. its own bylaws. But I was saying to Frank, growing your own chickens is part of that—growing your own, eat local. Uh, there is quite a movement of, um, you know, people doing that, taking the responsibility for a couple of chickens, two, three chickens, right in the backyard, <clears throat> using those chickens to eat bugs. Right? Yeah. And eat weed seeds and uh, provide eggs and provide that good compostable manure
2: now isn't that a son of a gun i Mm. never thought that that i I didn't think that was legal but uh, it is legal
3: but it is you gotta check your bylaws any form of farming it's a 24 7 365 day a year job right you don't go take off for the winter and leave your chickens (laughs) you know it's one of those (laughs) that that wouldn't be nice no, no it wouldn't so that's what i'm saying and um certainly uh friends of mine who are out in the rurals it's so cool, the idea of having chickens, but then there's the foxes, right? Uh-huh. The fox so. gets into the chicken coop, and you say bye-bye to all your chickens. So it's it's quite a lot of responsibility. So would
2: you have a rooster there, too? or uh, no, no,
3: you do not need no, a rooster, and okay. you don't want a rooster. No, I guess not. Because no. <laughs> what are you going to do with a rooster? You know? Well, I know
2: what the rooster's going to do, but yeah. that's his problem. That's
3: his problem. No, you don't want a rooster. <laughs> and and the other thing is, what do you do with the chickens after they get really old and aren't laying oh, so much?
2: sounds like Christmas dinner coming <laughs> that's up. That's right, That's <laughs> the
3: and not everybody's quite no. ready for that. So make sure you've got a plan. You know, chickens make a great pet, but you know, have a plan. How far I'm afraid goes. of the damn things. Oh, really?
2: Yeah, I don't. oh yeah. Afraid no. of chickens. Well, uh, they look mean. Ne- they look mean. They look like they're going to try and poke your eye out.
3: But they're so little, <laughs> and some of them yeah. are really pretty.
2: Yeah, but I think they could fly if they wanted to. You know, <laughs> okay. hey, you know, we got to get out of we here. We do. The we boys do. are the they're boys here. are. Dude, come <laughs> on here. They're revving Dave's the corner garage. I'm getting the I'm getting the word from Ellen Gelman. Get out, get out.
0: Okay, <laughs> all right. We're on our way. Frank,
3: for all your great, great great sous-chefability. Thanks, Andre. Good to see you. Thanks for all our great colors, and I'll see you next week.
0: This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740.